the nursing industry is one of the fastest growing career forces in the world today. There are so many issues in the healthcare field these days relating to nurses that simply are not discussed in the media. Welcome to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with Leanne Meyer. Our program will help you with the most relevant information if you're in the nursing field or are planning to enter the industry. Now, here is your host, Leanne Meyer. I'm so happy to welcome everybody back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, Exploring the World of Nursing. This is Leanne Meyer, and today we are going to be talking about Nurses International, the textbook, and uh, lots of other things, too. Um, we were, were fortunate enough to have Miriam Chickering, who is the founder of NursesInternational.org, return to the show for an update to the first show, which aired on November 19th, 2018. It was called Teaching Nursing to the World. So Miriam came up with this concept out of her sincere desire to not only do something important in the world of nursing for herself, but for every other nurse who feels burnt out doing work that has been usurped by the healthcare business models. So she created a nonprofit organization five years ago to generally educate nurses in low-resource countries. She started with two volunteers and one participating country. Currently, there are 500 volunteers in 55 countries, and, um, uh, and, one, uh, and all are taking a hands-on, hearts-on, brains-on, intimate role in a family of volunteer nurses to create training that fits the needs of each country. Sound interesting? Keep listening. So I'd like to introduce Miriam herself. So Miriam Chickering, could you give us a little brief overview of your um, bio and um, kind of coming into the organization? So good to be here with you again, Leanne. Thanks so much for having us back. Um, I started Nurses International in 2014 and was just a mom and a nurse uh, working at a local community college, was an acting manager at a small hospital and obstetric as a, and then uh, did some work as an obstetric nurse consultant, which was a lot of fun. And then all of a sudden, I realized that we had the technology to share everything that we were teaching in our little community college with the entire world. And I wanted to find friends who would help me do that. And that's really how Nurses International was born. Wow, that is so amazing. Even if some of us would think of that, we would never probably take the next step to make it happen. So I'm so glad you did. Uh, Delaney LaRosa is one of your volunteers, and she's going to be joining us on the show today, too. So Delaney, could you share a little bit about your nursing background and then how you got connected with Nursing and Nurses International? Sure, thank you. Um, I'm currently Associate Dean of Faculty at Chamberlain University School of Nursing, and I also teach online at Grantham University. Um, came to that through the Mayo School of Medicine and um, Yale University. And my clinical background is emergency medicine, community and public health, um, and mental health, and that's with children and, and adults. I really, really love my work with NI. Um, how I came to it was how exactly why Miriam set up the organization. 
I was feeling so disillusioned and so disconnected from purpose. And I was actually looking around on the internet and I think I saw something on Facebook about Nurses International and did some research about it. And it was, it was probably one of the best career decisions that I've ever made because I get so much fulfillment, um, friendship, camaraderie, development, and purpose through my work with NI. That's great. Wow. So I want to bring in Connie also. Connie Jones is also another nurse that is a volunteer for the Nurses International. Connie, tell us about yourself and how you got connected. I started nursing back in 1975 and fell in love with everything heart-related and spent basically my whole career in that area the, um, from about 1985 onward. It was in pediatric cardiology, and I became the electrophysiology nurse there, so dealing with pacemakers and defibrillators and heart rhythm problems. And then I basically overworked all my doctors and they left. And I was hired (laughs) by uh, Medtronic, which makes pacemakers and defibrillators. And I have been with them from 2004 until two years ago when I retired. And in 2005 with Medtronic, I started in an educational role. Then a few years later, I started work on my, um, it was associate degree to bachelor's to master's, and I chose nursing education. So uh, that pertained to my career, but it wasn't nursing academia at all. And after retirement, I was looking at ways to use my nursing degree and my education experience. And that's when I found Nurses International. And I just felt like when I found that, that that was why I had gotten the degree that I got. And it was an opportunity for me to use that in just the ways that Miriam and Delaney described um, to help nurses in other parts of the world that might not have access to the resources that we do. And um, through helping nursing education, you can reach far more than what one single person can do. It just sounds so exciting. It makes me want to jump right in. Um, uh, Miriam, could you give us just kind of an overview of the Nurses uh, International.org um, in general? Yeah, so Nurses International is a network of nurses. We work together and create nursing education materials that resource the world's nursing programs and healthcare institutions. These materials are free, and they're available from the website nursesinternational.org. Then, when we're invited or we're asked, we help we help adapt materials to local settings while collaborating with on-site educators. So it's a ton of fun because basically we create things and then we get to go on site sometimes and do consulting work. Um, so it's kind of like a, it's a dream come true really for um, the team members who are learning how to do these very high level skills. It just sounds so exciting and like each person. So, okay, so let's pretend it's me. I'm going on the nursesinternational.org and I'm very excited about what I'm hearing from all of you. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I've, I've got lots of varied experience. What might I be able to contribute? So how would I know what would be available to me? 
So, Delaney, do you want to share a little bit about the volunteer opportunities that we have? Sure. Thank you, Miriam. Um, Our volunteer opportunities really go um, into and beyond nursing and education. One of the things that I like is the overriding approach that we look for of, of creative input and personal ownership. What I love about Miriam is that you come to the table and she'll find stuff inside you that you didn't even know that you had that's <laughs> needed by, by NI. Um, and we have people who do content review of existing content. A program may have some base materials that they're using and they know that they're probably not meeting the need or even materials that we've used before that need to be increased to meet um, the BSN essentials sort of requirements. We have everything from an executive assistant pool to open access content creators, curriculum developers, writers, nurse educators, people who've done consulting, even international consulting. So the opportunity is if you have some time and dedication and creativity and willingness to come to the team and we'll help you find where you fit in and we'll help partner you. There's a word, and forgive me if I'm jumping the gun, Miriam, I love this word. I wrote it down the last time we talked. She said, we have a mob mentoring mentality, and I just love that because it's true. You're not just paired with a mentor and and you get what they have to offer. It's in an, in an, I've been on a phone on an entire weekend. I did not think this was possible, but in a weekend we have created an entire curriculum and we were just on the phone and running for a sandwich and coming back and there were some people who were in a room together, but I was in Jacksonville, Florida, and someone would say, I'm really stuck on this piece of content for um, occupational health and I would jump in on, on some of it. It's an amazing, organic living process. And all you really need wow. to do is have some time and some willingness. And I think, I think you'll just be surprised what can happen. Mm-hmm. And I would add to that willingness to work, but also willingness to grow because it may take you into new areas that you haven't explored before, but you have the support. And Mm -hmm. one good thing, Miriam has a 15-minute rule that sometimes I forget and will slave away at something for a long time. But if you're stuck on something for 15 minutes, she expects you to reach out for help so you don't just mire down indefinitely. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, Miriam. Because our volunteers are so valuable and what they contribute to the world is so worthy that we want to be there to support um, everything that they're doing so they can make the best use of their time. Connie or Delaney, have either of you gone to a country um, to help institute it or, or anything like that? Oh, I'm I've sorry. I said both of personal. you. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll jump in there. Okay, um, Con- I have been to a country as a nurse delivering health care, but not uh, in the Nurses International role, because unfortunately, mm-hmm. after I did that a number of times, my husband said, I, I just am so not good with this. So I stopped. But there are many opportunities to go, and I would encourage anyone to go if they're interested in that. 
Okay. Delaney? And I've, yeah, I've, I've done not with NI, but I've done um, international health system consulting. Okay. Um, and also I spent some time in Israel doing an edu- uh, educational exchange. I haven't had the opportunity with NI, although there might be something coming up I'm waiting to hear. Great. That's fantastic. Um, Miriam, I'm I'm just looking at, should we take a break here? We're a couple of minutes before normal break, or um, is there something more you'd like to put in? Let's take a break, and then when we come back, I'd love to talk about our educational model that encourages critical thinking. Great. I would love to talk about that, too. Okay, so we will take a break here, and we will be back in a couple of minutes. We are, um, the name of the show is Nurses International, the textbook, and I'm talking with Miriam Chickering, Delaney LaRosa, and Connie Jones, who are all working with NursesInternational.org, and it's a very exciting uh, opportunity, and it's an opportunity for people listening. So we'll go to break now. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has a mobile app for iOS, Android, or Amazon Kindle. Visit the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you like what you're hearing on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, consider supporting the show. In the one year since the show started, we've increased our listening audience by nearly 7,900% and our goal to reach 50 countries and counting. Whether you are looking to reach a regional, national, or worldwide audience, you'll have a competitive advantage by advertising on Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. It's the perfect platform. Contact Senior Executive Producer Tacey Trump today at 480-294-6421. That's 480-294-6421. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening 
listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to leannevoiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse. Welcome back. This is Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing. I'm talking to a guest um, that we had on in November, uh, Miriam Chickering, who is the CEO of NursesInternational.org, and she also has two of her volunteers, Delaney LaRosa and Connie Jones, who are talking about um, the program itself and how it works. So I'm going to turn it over to Miriam. Thanks, Leanne. Uh, last time we were together, we talked about Nurses International's operational model, which is listen, learn, serve, share. It's an intercultural model that helps us meet the needs wherever we find them. But we also have an educational approach that's developed specifically to encourage systems-level thinking, critical inquiry, and a critical thinking skills, and that's called the social-ecological model. And... Um, to explain the social ecological model, there's really five levels, the individual, interpersonal, community, organization, and the policy environment. So when we look at all five of those levels and we teach to all, we teach the students to think in terms of all of those levels, um, then you can't, they can't help but learn critical thinking skills. It encourages them to practice at the top of their license, which is extremely critical to take the the most advantage um, from each nurse that's been trained. Nurses provide 80% of healthcare uh, activities worldwide. And so if we can get nurses to think critically, to think at a systems level, and to perform at the top of their license, then we really can make a huge dent in needless suffering around the world. So that's why we chose the um, social ecological model for a nursing education approach. And, just curious, uh, just Mir- Miriam, did you bit. create that or did that come from somewhere else? It's actually used most in public health prevention and control. And okay. it, it hasn't been used as much in nursing, but we think it fits so well um, with nursing and, and in particular the Nursing Educational Approach of Nurses International. Great. So I I wanted to talk a little bit about when we bring faculty in to Nurses International and they're not familiar with maybe they're clinicians, they have a doctor of nursing practice or they've been, they they have a brand new MSN and how we integrate them into the team. And I think it'd be great to hear from Delaney and Connie about a little bit about how they felt about that process. Who would you like to start? Delaney, would you kick us off? Sure. Um, One of the interesting things is that um, every process is organic and it begins using the socio-ecological model and then we talk through the blueprint. For example, when we decided to go ahead and write this book, I don't know who on this 
crew has written a book, but it's not me, <laughs> certainly not me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, here's a book, we want to write it. How do we get started? And what I love about NI is it was a group of people in a room on a phone, just what do we think that it takes and um, talking through the process. And that process then evolves into a blueprint. And while I was talking to Mary the other night and I said, well, isn't it great? You know, you have a blueprint. Now you can go forward and do that again and again. And her response to me was that the, the blueprint is living and breathing and, and people need to own it. So it was very important to her that each time we take on a project like this, we don't necessarily take what we did in the past and just replicate it. Um, that blueprint has to come from the knowledge, the passion, the capabilities, and the output of the group that are applying themselves to it. And in that way, the volunteers and the faculty own the development process. They're extremely engaged. They're extremely empowered. And it just builds momentum. And while that's all happening, really cool things are happening in terms of learning. You might not realize it, but in building this this book, people have learned how to do project management. And they've learned how to work with online, um, you know, tools like Google and commenting and and they're learning curriculum development and content creation. And some people are even learning leadership and consulting. Um, one thing that Miriam said to me the other night is that just managing the organization of volunteers is an incredible job all on its own. So I guess the what I'm trying to say is that uh, there is a blueprint. It follows the model, but it's very organic, and it's it's new and it's fresh each each time it's used. That is really great, yeah, Connie. Add add in. Okay, so starting with building the textbook from scratch. Uh, let me back up to my first project with Nurses International, and then I'll catch up to the textbook. In, in the first project, the first weekend intensive, I think Delaney referred to earlier, we were all on the phone working together really hard to develop content for one of the early courses. And we were taking some existing content, updating it, uh, deepening it, expanding it, and, and then some, you know, also to a degree formatting it so that we had some uniformity across the modules. And that was a new experience for me, but I, I learned through that. The next project didn't have existing content, so we were having to create content, but still for presentations. So it was an incremental build on top of the previous project. And then after that was done, then we had the conference call and Miriam said, we're going to write a textbook. And I was so eager and excited to be part of that first chapter. And I thought, oh, this is just great. And then I sat down and I thought, what have I done? I have no idea how to write a textbook. And so then you just start sort of, um, you know, emailing Miriam about every 15 minutes and and writing and you just start somewhere and then you just build on that and you build a little bit more you talk to Delaney although talking about organizing volunteers kicked in Delaney was eastern time I was working that week on the west coast and her work day and my work day 
were almost mutually exclusive, but we finally worked it out and good things happened and she did a great job. And, and then the rest of the team was building in there too, their contribution. The team was so deep and, and it was, you know, um, Miriam had to kick in and, and coordinate things and, and get it really organized and off to a good start. But then once we needed something, then we could just kick it over to someone else on the team that could. For example, um, I after I figured out where to start and how to start writing text, then I was having problems like Delaney referred to with um, just inputting images from the PowerPoint into the Google document in Drive. And I, you know, got in, in touch with Miriam and said, I can write or I can learn how to do this and put it in, but I, I can't, I don't have time to do both. She kicked it over to someone else on the team. So there's the team is deep and willing. Oftentimes our our available hours don't mesh, but everyone wants to help. And so that was kind of my build process, and I don't know what's next. I'm afraid to find out, frankly. But um, <laughs> like Delaney said, it won't afraid be just and a excited, baby, of what huh? we've already done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, afraid and excited. That's true. So, but, I mean, this is from someone like Miriam talked about as a new MSN. Even though I was a very senior veteran nurse, I was new at nursing academia and certainly new to writing a textbook. So it's developed me in that role. I had one question for you, Connie. You said uh, that the group that was working on it was deep. Do you mean numbers of people or the, the depth of the material you were covering? Well, numbers of people is, was my meaning there. I think there were 30 of us collaborating on this with each of us having different roles. Wow. So prior to this time, Miriam, when you didn't have a textbook, what were you using? Sometimes there are open access resources available, mm-hmm. but not always. And and so we were using um, whatever we could find. Okay. Um, sometimes we'll use a, a regularly published textbook that's a for-profit textbook. Um, mm-hmm. But, of course, we have to be really careful about how we're citing that and make sure that we're following all copyrights, um, honoring mm-hmm. copyrights and that kind of thing. But it's just, it's so difficult for students to access good resources, and there wasn't a good resource. There wasn't a good open access textbook for health assessment. And we decided it's this is something that the world needs, and we cannot create health care for all if we don't have healthcare information equity for all. And the only right. way to provide that um, at this point for some of these tech, these classes to write our own textbooks. Yeah, this is incredible. Um, you know, when you think that people going probably far into the future will be using your textbook and thinking, you know, wow, this is so helpful. Uh, and maybe, you know, using it as you upgrade or we upgrade to um, more advanced healthcare. So, um, do you feel like pioneers? Yes. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I hope we do a good job and I, I hope that we help. And I hope that we really um, encourage big publishers to rethink some of their models and how they're uh, selling 
especially online or digital textbooks, which cost nothing to reproduce, and how they're marketing and selling in low- and middle-income countries. So I kind of hope that us writing this textbook will be a catalyst to get Mm -hmm. others to um, join us and write open-access textbooks. You know, you, you, the way Mary answered that question is something that I love about her because she's not worried about, um, you know, being a pioneer. What she's worried about is being a positive, disruptive force in healthcare. <laughs> and, and I love that about her. Right. <laughs> I love that too. I, I, I mentioned on the show before, but I don't think with this context, I had gone to a um, conference in uh, Las Vegas years and years ago. My background was obstetrics also, as well as Miriam. And um, the very first thing uh, we had, the keynote speaker, was the person who invented the um, external fetal monitor. And, uh, excuse me, was a doctor. And the very first thing he said is that there is no limit to what human beings can accomplish as long as nobody cares who gets the credit. Mm, that's beautiful. And I thought coming yeah. from somebody who came up with that product is mm-hmm. just amazed me. So, yeah, Miriam, what, so where true. would you like to go from here? Um, well, I was kind of hoping we could talk about, I, I liked how Connie brought out the 15-minute rule because We're going to talk in a minute about NI as a hive and a family, but I want to talk about some of the challenges that we experience as an organization because it's not easy. There are so many times when it would be easy. There are miscommunications. There are personality differences. Um, Working in other countries, it always takes more time, more money, um, more patience than you think that it will. And the key is to just not give up because if you keep in mind you're not doing it for even, you know, I'm not even really doing it for the connection, although I think the connection is like the best, one of the best gifts I've had in my life. Um, I'm not doing it. You don't do it for connection. You don't do it for your career. You, the reason why you do it is because people are suffering. And when you think about that, that you're, you are relieving needless suffering on a global scale when you engage in this work then it's easy to persevere when there's a time zone difference or your colleague um, was a little bit snippy with you or whatever. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Susan Keating was on the program with me last time, and she's kind of the Leia to my Luke. We tease about that. And her little catchphrase for NI is, on we go. And so there are so many times when opportunities don't work out or things are, are difficult or um just so much more difficult than you expect. And she just says, Miriam, on we go. And we just move right on (laughs) to the next thing. And I see that resilience in all of the faculty at NI. And it's just such a huge privilege because back to the family, we are there for each other um, through all kinds of things, through job loss, a new job, a cross-country move, a divorce, a new child, a child born with congenital defects. I mean, all of these things happen to the people on our team, and we just love each other through it. And we have this purpose that's a shared purpose and um, connection to each other, but also we persevere when it's hard. I'm really excited about how you're saying that. 
because quite a few of the things I'm hearing from nurses all around from the country and around the globe is about, you know, the concept of burnout. And I know you were going to talk about that. Maybe maybe this would be a time we could bring it in. So many nurses in the United States, I hear like one in seven nurses are burning out and wanting to leave nursing or a huge number of, of suicides. And I have to believe that it's partly because of the communication. Somehow or another, we've gotten into a competitive um, world with nursing where uh, we're not out to help each other and have each other's backs, but more um, almost to cut the other person down. And um, that just, it can't work, and it for sure can't work in nursing. And it's not the kind of uh, behavior that people who are drawn to nursing want to be involved in. So in, in addition to everything else you're teaching people, you're teaching communication skills that are supportive and warm and and human. Yes, and when we talk about burnout, the new research is showing that burnout is really moral injury. And so Mm -hmm. most nurses go into nursing because they want to relieve suffering. They want to help patients. But in some healthcare systems, you get in the, the hospital Um, particularly um, the med surge floors where a lot of nurses have their trial by fire. And you find out that you're so overwhelmed that it's really hard to meet patients. The massage skills or giving that back rub um, becomes sort of this, like, thing that you just laugh about because you would never have time to do it. I remember being on the floor once, and I thought, well, I have a patient with a pain level of 10 that needs their medication, And I have another patient with um, a pressure ulcer that needs to be turned right away. And I have another patient that's a straight cast. And they all, it was all time to do all of those things right then. And I was the only one on the floor. Um, And so all of a sudden, those NCLEX questions about which one is best, how do you Mm -hmm. prioritize first, Mm -hmm. from a human suffering perspective, um, there's no way to really prioritize those tasks um, when you're looking at people who have those kinds of needs. And I think it's so easy then to experience that moral injury, which results in burnout, where we lose our ability, our empathetic and sympathetic abilities with patients. And, and what helps with that? Well, number one, it's systemic changes that need to take place in our healthcare system. But another thing that that nurses can do for each other is provide that community and connection um, and never leave a nurse behind, never leave a colleague behind um, is something that's just crucial in our system. And and one thing that we can provide um, for each other, and we do provide at Nurses International for our faculty and our network, is just that connection piece. Could one of you, uh, Delaney or um, Connie, whichever you would like to speak to it, what is it like to be that nurse um, supported? So maybe Delaney first. It's, it's as Miriam said, it's, <laughs> it's what made us go into nursing. It, it's what makes me be an educator. It's that I will never lose the hope that we can go back to that and we can be that for each other. You know, I was 
at the bedside, I hesitate to say it's going to be, it's, I'm pushing, I'm pushing 30 years as being a nurse and manage through the will of heart and soul to never become jaded. And when I talk to my students, when I teach a classroom, I I probably will get eyeball rolls because the Mm -hmm. jaded nurse always comes into my conversations about how, how you can't be that way. Um, So I think what Miriam is doing is giving us a view. She's giving us a hope to do something to to help nursing turn that corner so that we can nurture each other. And again, you know, this is why we become the volunteers. Um, I hope Miriam doesn't mind me saying, but we had just a chat session this weekend. We weren't even doing (laughs) NI work, but a bunch of us just got together and we talked about what was important to us. I couldn't believe, didn't matter that we were all on um, cameras we really wanted to talk to each other because we're bonded over this purpose and this shared experience. And that's what it's really like to be a part of NI. Yeah. Connie, talk about it from your point of view. My perspective is that it makes me feel empowered because mm-hmm. I want to do things that will help people. It's why we went into nursing, I think, almost Entirely, the nursing force is full of people who want to help people, but then you run into walls and you can't. And that kind of support and mentoring that you get means that you can move on through those obstacles and 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 press on until you accomplish that task. So it makes me feel empowered to do what I need to do instead of just running into a roadblock and and it feeling like a failed effort. Yeah. You know, I think about, and and I don't know what it is that causes this. I keep coming back to this business model of healthcare where it seems to be a foreign concept that healthcare is about relationships and um, in every way, shape and form. It just seems to be something that people just kind of like, huh? (laughs) So um, I'm wondering if it will take where nurses and doctors working together in a collaborative way take back the reins of healthcare. Where um, and, and I don't know exactly how that would happen. Maybe it's in a single payer uh, medical system. I don't know where they don't have to worry about the financial part of it. They could just focus on what's the best thing to do. I don't know. Anybody else have a thought about that? I think that sometimes I, I had that a lot of strength to find us. Uh, who is and talking? We've got two people uh, con- conflicting here. Um, say your name and talk. Sure. This is Miriam. I think that sometimes our constraints force us to find better solutions. And that's certainly how, how we found good solutions at NI is leaning into the constraints. So mm-hmm. we look at our healthcare system and the financial constraints, and we can see that as something that's insurmountable, or we can look at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to find innovative solutions. And so um, I sort of like to lean into the constraints myself. <laughs> uh, Connie, did, did you want to add something? Well, I just wanted to add in a, a not really saying anything about political theory or anything like that or healthcare economics too much, but 
I did get to live that during my time at a pediatric hospital, which was not as constrained as most adult hospitals are. I worked in a wonderful team effort collaboratively with my the physicians that I worked with. The nurses were very much included in part of the family. We knew the the background discussions, for example, before a child went to surgery, what the concerns were going to be, what the plan would be post-op and what our role would be in helping them achieve healthy discharge and follow up after. So I've gotten to live kind of the best of the model, and I don't really know how to replicate that in the adult world. I've seen some signs in healthcare economics, and um, this is just one thing, but I know they have tied Medicare reimbursement to quality measures, and I think that's a positive thing. Um, you you don't get as much money from Medicare for anything if you're doing poorly on quality uh, outcomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's just venturing a little bit broader than the question was there, but it was on the top of my mind. Mm-hmm. Delaney, did you want to add anything from your perspective? I really think that um, Connie and Miriam said what my thoughts would be. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Miriam, uh, where would you like to go for our last few minutes here? We've got um, about 14, I think, 14 minutes. I think I'd like for us to talk a little bit about this feeling the struggle and how that's okay. And so part of what we do at NI is making it okay for it to be hard. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I, I think I want to tell a little story. If you don't, is that okay? Yes, please. Okay. So on one of our first Nurses International annual conferences, we went out to a camp. We always have our conferences at a camp, and we went out to this camp. And we were supposed to go to a roast marshmallows. It was late at night. It was very dark, and I had forgotten where the camp, or I had never asked where the campsite was. I just thought, well, I'll see the campfire, and we'll just walk over there. So it was time to go, and I'm like, guys, let's go. We're going to go do the marshmallow thing. And I took off, and everyone was following me. And I got outside, and I didn't see the campfire. I didn't know where it was. I knew there was a campfire, but I didn't know where it was. And so I was running ahead, kind of missing the air until I smelled the smoke and I just kind of followed the smell of the smoke and it was dark and we're in the kind of a wooded area and so then I run back to the team and I'm like it's this way and so the team is hold they're holding hands and walking in the dark to this campfire and they all arrive and then here comes Dr. Keating behind at the very at the very end with the bag of um, marshmallows that I, of course, had forgotten because I was so busy getting everyone to the, the right place. And um, so we all sort of struggled together and found this campsite and had this beautiful uh, time making s'mores. And I had people who said, Miriam, I haven't done this in like 20 years. Well, it was time, right? So yeah. we all have different places in the process. We want to give the world access to excellent nursing education and educational materials for nurses who are already practicing. 
And to do that, we need people who are going to run out and sniff and find the fire. And we need people who are going to come alongside. And we need people who are going to remember the marshmallows. <laughs> <laughs> um, but everyone has, everyone has a place. And um, it's really a big network. It's going to take a huge network. Uh, to make it all happen, I think, but we can do it. And so it's an exciting time to be a nurse because as nurses, we can change healthcare on a global scale um, by providing equity and nursing knowledge, and that's what we're doing. So, Delaney, you had some things to say, I think, about the struggle as part of the developmental cycle. Would you like to talk about that? Sure. Um, it's for me. It's always been very interesting because um, I want the process to sort of be there, and then like that sort of the conversation that I had with um, Miriam the other day, and I'm personally for me, I'm learning what it's like to be that fearless person sniffing for the the smoke and being okay that I don't necessarily know where I know everybody's with me, but I'm not entirely sure where we're going. Um, but as a, a mentor in NI, it has been really uh, uplifting and empowering for me because you have the opportunity to just say, hey, I have this thing that um, I can do. And I find that because the environment is so safe and so nurturing, other people are willing to raise their hands and say, I don't, you know, I want to do that or I tried to do it or I'm doing this and it's just not going well. And it's, um, it's a true collaboration. You know, I liken it to a lot of the reading that I've done, um, the anatomy of peace by the Harbinger Institute. It's it, when you can see people as people first and only and not as, as, as anything else, you can as a group and a team do incredible things. And I think that's one of the cool things about NI is that we see each other wholly as people, we understand that we are all struggling and nobody wants to point fingers. We all just want to hold each other up. And that just kind of goes back to my point of, isn't this what nursing was supposed to be about in the beginning? Um, I don't know where you would find an opportunity like this, but I know for me, I've been so grateful for the things that I've learned and for the opportunity to share and and to be valued, to have that valued, no matter if it's that you remembered the bag of marshmallows. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a really incredible experience. The cool thing about that, too, is that if nobody brought the bag of marshmallows, everybody would figure out something to do around that campfire <laughs> once you found it. Mm-hmm. So... And, and let me tag on that to what they both said and say that it's a risk to do new things and to be out there. Miriam might have not found the campfire, but she was willing to be in front and look for it and, and have everyone follow her. But in a nurturing environment, you know that it's okay if you stumble. You may have to redirect the path some. But it is a little scary to to take those risks and to do new things and have the opportunity to fail. But if you fail in a safe environment, then you'll grow. 
Exactly. It, it actually ends up being fun and learning. Um, for the time that we have left, Miriam, um, about five minutes, a couple things I'd like to know um, from each of you, if you could say, what is the number one thing you want the nurses that are listening to know about this work that you're doing? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't indicate. Um, uh, Connie, why don't you start? Okay. I would say the most important thing to know is to whatever the thing is that you are are led to do to step out of your comfort zone and do something maybe really big or maybe just small at first, just show up and do it, um, whether it's nursing education or maybe uh, helping by being that one who knows how to add the graphics to Google Drive <laughs> or what, but just just to show up and start, that would be my one thing. Okay, Delaney. If you're in need of um, being upheld and having something that's fulfilling, and and you need to find your purpose. If you're lost, I was lost in a lot of ways when I showed up. Um, this is the place for you. Come and you will be absolutely amazed. You'll look behind you and think, how did I, how did I, how did we get where we are? This is the place for you. Yeah. So Miriam, I'd also want to hear, you know, what you want people to know, but I also want you to tell us, uh, for people who might be listening, um, who who are the people? We've talked a little bit about it, but what are the characteristics, education, uh, and what are are some of the things that you really need people to do? And and I'm assuming that there's um, uh, donating as well as donating your time, yourself, your knowledge, um, also financial donation if you're not that person that can do the other things. Sure. Well, one of our projects currently is to develop a curriculum for our mother baby center in Romania. And we need an expert who can come in and help us do a curriculum for community health workers and nurses to take care of moms and babies, young teen moms um, and their babies in Romania. We're looking for a 15-hour curriculum. So if you can help with that. Um, that would be wonderful. We also have a lot of formatting that we need to do for our last our last course. So if you can format a slide deck, we need you. If you can schedule meetings, um, we need executive assistance. We need you. Um, if you have a PhD and MSN in nursing, we can use you no matter what it, what your specialty area is. If you're a BSN and you're an entrepreneur and you know how to make things happen and you like to write or blog, um, we can use you. So we can use almost everyone who comes to us, and it's, it's a lot of fun. We have people who are respiratory therapists, um, who have a doctor degree, a doctoral degree in anatomy and physiology, um, we have people who have business degrees, so all over the map. Wow, that's great. And if there was one thing you want nurses to know uh, around the world, um, what would that be? What do you especially want up. them to understand? Don't give up. What you're doing matters, and you're not alone. Um, if you feel alone, we're, we're there for you. Nurses International is there for you to help you connect. Um, so don't give up. 
Mm-hmm. So how would they connect? They can go to nursesinternational.org and there are contact forms. There's contact information um, that will get you to me directly or to someone on our team, on our HR team. You can volunteer. There's a button directly from the website. You can download materials. You can donate um, directly from the website. And if you want to learn more, you can subscribe to our newsletter. Wonderful. And um, it is uh, nursesinternational.org is the website. And then uh, the newsletter, is that through the um, .org also? I mean, uh, the website? Yes, there's a subscribe button on the website. Okay. Well, this, I have to tell you, this has been an honor and a privilege for me to talk with all of you. And I wish you so much um, success in the work that you're doing. It'll be fun to continue on and see how it all is coming along. And I think that you are setting an example for the world about how is it we get things done. Um, We really have to be able to accept each other as having wonderful things to share and um, and fill in the blanks. Well, you know, if there's people that have uh, missing uh, abilities, that there's somebody else that can come in and, and fulfill those abilities, and that's really what you're trying to do. So let's just keep um, expanding this and telling people how this works, and maybe other organizations and other parts of healthcare especially will... Um, take a hold of this and say, we can do that too. So I think that's that's really uh, where I see this going. So um, if you'd like to donate, again, you can go on the nursesinternational.org and there's a button for that. And please tell your friends, please spread this information. Uh, send the, the podcast of this will be available in the next 24 to 48 hours and Share that with anybody and everybody you think might have some interest in doing this. So at that point, we're actually going to close. I think we're closing a little bit early. But um, again, I want to thank the audience and I want to thank Miriam uh, Chickering from uh, the CEO of Nurses International, Delaney LaRosa, who is working diligently in Florida, and Connie Jones, who lives in, I believe, Arkansas and is working in San Diego. So all of you are just pretty special people. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you so much. Thanks Leanne. so much, Leanne. Great. It's a pleasure. <laughs> okay, good. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with your host, Leanne Meyer. Be sure to join us again next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a productive and insightful week.